Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time you are downloading this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Tahoe Tap. Mike Parent and Rob Galloway here to spray a wide array of info at you, and hopefully some of it sticks. As always, your local and national headlines up first, then the theme for our A portion of the tap tucked right in the middle is some of the signature or headline events and music to get you excited about this summer. Then we wrap it up for the third of the third, the final third of the episode with Paul Reeder, which talks about his history in Lake Tahoe and a huge weekend of back-to-back festivals, July 23rd and 24th at Hard Rock. So more on that in a little bit. But first, before we dive right in, we gotta thank our sponsor, Lake Tahoe Ale Works, two locations in South Lake Tahoe, one at State Line, which is tucked in between the casinos, and then the one over at the Y on the California side, plus the Cocktail Corner and the all-new Bistro opening up next weekend, which is a fine dining option that you're gonna wanna check out. So thank you to Lake Tahoe Ale Works for providing the fuel to this podcast. All yeah. right, Rob. You've got the local pulse going, so I'm going to let you take it away, and then we'll hit them with the national stuff. Well, and, and if we got to do local, I feel like we need to start at least, you know, talking about the weather a bit, Mike, because, you know, earlier this week, snow and chain controls, and then a possibility of touching 70 degrees this weekend. We're in this really strange dichotomy um, right now, and quite honestly, I hate it. Uh, you know, I just need Mother Nature to pick a side whether she wants to go team winter, team spring, and let's just go. Uh, I love the snow, love the moisture, especially on the heels of that report that came out yesterday about California basically flipping the bird to the drought recommendations. Um, but I don't love it so much when it's bipolar. It just makes it really tough to move into spring or summer mode. You can't plant. You need to keep the jackets around. I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's definitely more important things to complain about, but it, you know, it's starting to, like Peter Griffin, it's starting to grind my gears a bit. Any, any thoughts around the weather on your end? <laughs> Yeah, I'm seeing uh, some of my winter powder hound friends still posting uh, skiing and snowboarding videos on social and I, I'm so over it. Like, get out of <laughs> here. Yeah. So yeah, just make up your mind. I like uh, mother nature being bipolar. I like that analogy. <laughs> well, and speaking of summer, we had a few announcements over the past week, um, week or so in regards to boat ramp closures for this summer, sand Harbor, they are not going to be opening at all this summer due to wo- low water levels. Parking lots going to remain open for kayaks, paddle boards and such. So if you're looking for an alternate launch site, Better head early to Cave Rock because it is going to be busy. Also, uh, the Tahoe Vista boat ramp, that is going to be closed to motorized boats this season as well. Uh, Basically, same as Sand Harbor. You can launch non-motorized watercraft out of there. Um, But over there, their water levels, uh, they measured them a foot lower than, uh, than they were at this time last year, which is almost two feet below where it really needs to be to to be launching boats out of there. I know that'll rise a little bit once the snow starts to melt a little bit more, but uh, but not enough, it seems, to to keep them boats moving in and out. So um, lots of I mean, we got two so far or more on the rise. I don't know, but it's going it, to it, it calls for some jam packed boat ramps, right? Yeah. And, you know, they can price gouge i don't know if there's any regulations on it but i know the tahoe keys marina it's going to cost you 135 bucks to drop in and pull your boat out uh, for a round trip so i mean not to mention the the fuel at the marinas (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean (laughs) we just had a fuel story today that was uh you know lots of places or a couple places handful of places were up over six bucks so i don't i guess price price gouging um for for boat fuel i mean I, i don't know 
I don't know. We'll see, I guess, right? And uh, let's see. Okay, so my next note here uh, had a really great celebration earlier this week that I know, Mike, is uh, near and dear to your heart. Clean Up the Lake, they had their official wrap-up of their year-plus long project to pick up trash around the entire lake, but focusing their efforts on really what lies beneath. Their final totals came out at 24,797 pieces of litter weighing in at 25,281 pounds. And I wonder if they started right back up again, what those totals would look like. Um, I don't think it'd be quite as much, maybe half. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but Mike, one of the more strange items found an entire lamppost. What is, what is what is how does that make its way down there? I mean, I could see they talked about cameras and things like that and wallets. A lamppost? What? There, there's oh. some pretty bougie peers out there, you know, that have it's basically like a full on living room. So I got to <laughs> guess it's from one of those. Okay, there we go. Well, all was made possible by donations from Tahoe Fun and Tahoe Blue Vodka. So good on everybody who helped um, uh, support the uh, the effort, whether you donated time to do it or donated uh, monetarily. But um, you know, anything to add there, Mike? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know you were you were part of it, or at least uh, had your had your hand in it. Yeah, never did any diving, but I'm on the board, so I can speak to the big announcements that were also shared yesterday. Uh, where we're expanding this summer to cleaning up Fallen Leaf Lake, Mammoth Lakes region, where you got June Lake, and then also really monitoring, like you mentioned, going back and seeing what that trash is like in Tahoe and Donner Lake. So not stopping, keeping it going. Yeah, and we, we had some other uh, great items on the horizon when it comes to uh, additional trash cleanup. Uh, we can't quite talk about them yet, but we, uh, we know there's some good things coming from the folks over at Keep Tahoe Blue. So stay tuned for those announcements there. And then my, my last item here to end on, Mike, because I thought it was interesting for a discussion. Uh, come July 1, Nevada's minimum wage is set to increase by 75 cents an hour. Uh, that's going to bring it up to $9.50 for employers who can provide health insurance and $10.50 for those that do not. Uh, if you compare that to California, which sits at 14 or $15, depending on your employee count, that's quite a difference between the two states, you know, especially in a place like Tahoe, which has bordering and competing businesses. You know, granted, there's no sales tax in Nevada, so those numbers aren't quite apples to apples. But if you live in Nevada, you work in California, it doesn't really matter because you're going to get taxed by, uh, by California anyways. But, you know, Nevada is going to get another bump over the next two years. And I believe I, I I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure California only has one more year of increases. But Mike, maybe the discussion point, you know, is this enough to help offset? I mean, it seems like everything, all, every cost and it's, you know, it's everything is rising. You know, does that help? I, it, I don't think it's enough to help necessarily with affordable housing. But, you know, how do, does this help? I mean, it helps a little bit. Sure. But, uh, you know, just want to get your thoughts on on the minimum wage side of things, you know, especially when it comes to Nevada and California, because it's tied at the hip when it comes to Tahoe. Well, you know, my thoughts are, luckily they started this, I don't know, how many years ago? Five, 10 years ago? Yeah, on the this California process. side. Yeah. yeah, on the California side. So they were sort of ahead of the game in, in seeing this coming, or uh, I guess you couldn't see this coming, but it's definitely not parallel in the increases to the consumer price index. So, uh, and you you said no sales tax in Nevada, but no income tax. But no income tax, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you get a little bit of a break there, but where we live on the state line, it is, um, you know, we see a lot of crossover and you're still getting that California tax. So definitely not paralleled. And 
we're going to see that jump up, I think, even more, especially in the, in the, you know, first responders, the, you know, firefighters sectors and things like that. They're, they're going to see a nice little bump coming. Well, and I think there's, there's some folks on the, definitely in the basin where they're, they're probably a little more competitive on the Nevada side than than just what, um, you know, that minimum wage is. I think they're, you know, they understand what California is and and where they need to be competitive in in that space. So I I don't think it's, they're quite at that level, but, uh, but at least, I mean, it's good to see it, it getting bumped up a little bit. All right. Well, thanks for sharing the local headlines. I will switch over to some national news. And this one, pretty big. Uh, Sin City just outlawed grass. But Rob, you're all good. It's not the kind of grass that you're thinking of. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, Las Vegas is mandating the removal of lawns. It was proposed well about a year ago and then on the agenda last month, but uh, was struck down just last week in an effort to save water during the worst drought in 12 decades, plus population growth, which is really taking a toll on the Colorado River. Uh, that's the source of 90% of the region's water. So that new law in Las Vegas is going to be patch by patch removal of turf. So estimate uh, estimates calculate that there are over 3,900 acres of grass to be removed, which could yield savings of up to 9.5 billion gallons of water annually, or to make that quick for you, about 10% of the region's allocation from the Colorado River. So the customers do get a rebate starting at $3 per square foot, but in most cases that does not come close to covering the cost of the actual removal, you know, labor and, and all that, and then the replacement with other plants or landscaping options. So, um, you know, one, one uh, contractor said it's costing him about $9 per square foot and the rebate of $3 per square foot, just not cutting it. So, you know, we talked last pod about, you know, Southern California going down to one watering day per week. And now this one, they're just saying, rip it out. So we'll, you know, it could be the new norm as we say. I wonder, does that apply to the, to the Raiders? Their field is, uh, <laughs> they, they pull that field out. Um, it is, it is grass, it's natural grass, but it, even though it's indoors in a, in a stadium, they pull the entire field out, let it get sunshine, they water it, and then they wheel it back in for the games. Does that, does that mean they have to rip theirs they gotta, out? They got to play on dirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But uh, I should have said it's non-functional grass. So you're still going to have parks. What does that mean, it, though? Non-functional. I mean, if my dogs run on it, it seems pretty functional to me. Yeah, right. Got to get the energy out somehow. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess there'll, there'll be a gray area everywhere on that one, especially with big money and casinos. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll see if that's a, a new norm coming to this region. And then the future is here. Jet suit paramedic completes a first flight. This is pretty cool. You've got to just Google it and watch the video. The inventor of the 3D printed jet suit flew a test route up a mountain, completing more than a 2,000 foot climb over a 1.2 mile distance in just three minutes and 40 seconds. It can reach speeds in excess of 80 miles an hour and is technically capable of reaching an altitude of 12,000 feet. So this is a game changer for uh, you know avalanche victims, climbing victims, just hikers. I mean, if you think about what it takes to dispatch a search and rescue team, but if you can pinpoint where somebody's at and you can get to them within three minutes and 40 seconds, I mean, I don't know about you, Rob, but I can't climb 2,000 feet uh, and 1.2 miles. I know you've been working out quite a bit, but in three minutes, 40 seconds, <laughs> that's, not there yet. Uh, that's pretty gnarly. I just wondered, like, if you're, you know, one of the paramedics, are you fighting over this suit? Like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm going, I'm sure that thing's 
probably pretty fun, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it takes a little bit of, yeah, there might be uh, just a few guys with the training on that one. So <laughs> just, just a little <laughs> bit of uh, training for, for the Jetpack. Uh, and then change gears to some policy here. White House has touted free internet service plans just on Monday. So that this was the announcement, uh, I believe it was Monday afternoon, of 20 internet service providers, which does include Verizon, Comcast, and Charter, some of the big dogs there, and have agreed to offer $30 high-speed internet plans to low-income families, effectively giving free service to households that qualify for this federal subsidy. And how it's free is the uh, government is going to pay you $30 and then you're gonna give that $30 back to the internet company of your choosing or your provider. So 48 million households qualify for this program. So far, just over 11.5 million have signed up. So uh, Kamala Harris was quoted as saying, doesn't matter how much you make, you could be a millionaire or living in the streets, you should, be ha you should, be ha you should have access to high-speed internet. So ultimately that's the goal, you know, with things like Starlink and, and whatnot, but uh, this is one step in that direction for low-income housing. Uh, so we'll see how that all rolls out there. And then another government agency news topic here, the IRS is paying 4% interest to taxpayers with delayed refunds. The kicker here though, it's taxable. Yeah, of course it is, right? Yeah, you always you got to tax that interest uh, that they just paid you. So the IRS is sitting on roughly 9.6 million unprocessed tax returns, owing billions in refunds. After 45 days, the agency has to pay those interest fees uh, on refunds to the taxpayer, currently set at a 4% rate. Some filers have been waiting up to nine months to receive their refunds. And last year, it was estimated that the IRS paid out $3.3 billion in interest payments. So, uh, you know, over the last four years, it's been uh, over $11 billion. So, uh, you know, staffing shortages and the uh, extended refund deadlines or filing deadlines are attributed to the, uh, the backlog of the IRS there. So um, just a little kicker. See, you might see that line item on your tax returns if you haven't got it yet. So um, my last note here, and I had to just bring this one up because I've talked this with a crazy. couple people about it and they didn't know about it. And I, I even saw a commercial on it watching the Giants game just a couple nights ago. And, and so uh, it's out there and it's, it's widespread. The FDA has approved a form of eye drops that could replace your reading glasses, not forever, but within about 15 to 20 minutes of applying these drops, they will reveal about two to three hours of improved near vision. So this is great for people in their 40s or 50s who still have a bit of their own accommodation left, but not so great for people over 55. I mean, uh, this is sort of wild when you think of, you just drop something in your eye and it completely transforms. I guess that's the, the case with any drugs or, or medical invention, right? Um, but this one seems how fast acting it is and just the technology is sort of creepy. It does. I saw I saw your note on this and I was like, huh, I'm starting to get in that uh, that squinty or I like move it away phase. Like it's, it's coming, man. It's coming. And I, I don't want it come. It's so, on the market. Go, go hit it up. All right. Those are your local and national headlines that we've wrangled up. We're going to take a quick break and be back with your music and events. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. We've wrangled up all the top events and music headliners here for the entire summer. Now, I'm going to kick it off with more of the event side. And there's sort of a theme I've got here. You're going to stay active with these events. So we'll start off with I like the active. I like yeah, the active. That's, that's what Tom is all about, right? So yeah, Saturday, absolutely. June 4th is the first one on my list. National Trails Day, it is. So what better way to celebrate that than getting out and doing some trail work? 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., the Tahoe Rim Trail Association is putting on the Caldor Fire Restoration Work Day, and they're going to be uh, revitalizing the Tahoe Rim Trail near Echo Summit, which was, of course, hit hard by the Caldor Fire. So you can find out all the details, register, which is required at tahoerimtrail.org. It's front and center on the homepage, but they give you all the tools you need, uh, all the safety equipment. They keep you fueled up with water and refreshments and food as well. But 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, June 4th, the National Trails Day up on Echo Summit. Then that next day, Curtis Fong's 29th annual America's Most Beautiful Bike Ride, Sunday, June 5th. And this is always a fundraiser for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. He's raised tons of money uh, for that organization. And this is a great way to get out on your bike and ride around the lake if you've ever wanted to do that because it, it is fully supported. It's a ride with traffic control from the CHP and NHP. They've got first aid medical stations. They've got uh, bike repair stations, refueling pit stop with all the bars and, and uh, you know, water and, you know, uh, what are those goops that you, that are like so thick and nasty, but they've got tons of stuff packed into them. Yeah. You name it. They're going to keep you going around the lake, all 72 miles of it. And then of course, they've got an after ride pool party at hard rock and at state line. So you go, uh, you go clockwise around the lake. You start out with uh, echo summit after you go through South Lake Tahoe and up the switchbacks. And man, it's a, uh, it's a great way to go around. Like I still have not done it yet. Uh, even the Howie Nave can do it. So if that's saying something right there, he's done it a few times. So um, you can do it too. <laughs> uh, all right. And then June 17th, through the 26th, you've got Adventure Sports Week. And this is actually two weekends, more than just a week. If there's a recreation or sport you can think of, they have an event for you. This is all North Shore based through Tile City, Kings Beach, up through uh, Squaw Valley, Olympic Valley, and into Truckee. Check it out on adventuresportsweektahoe.com because I can't even rattle off how many events they have. They have over a hundred events that you can register for some free, some that are um, ride supported, just like Amber, the most beautiful bike ride, check it out there. But if you want to stay active and get out with the family, they got stuff for kids. They've got, you know, triathlons. They've got the, you know, the really heavy stuff for the diehards, uh, you know, the Spartan kind of races uh, or tough mutters. So check it out. AdventureSportsWeekTahoe.com. Yeah. So June 17th, through the 26th. And here's a fun one as well. Back over in South Lake, June 18th and 19th, the Tahoe Mountain Bike Festival. Saturday is all about bike demos. They've got the vendors out there. All of the brands have their latest models. It's 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. They do shuttles to the iconic trails up to Tahoe Mountain, over to Corral, Toads. 
And then Sunday is the big triple crown and the actual festival where it's more market style for the family if you're not into riding. So uh, check that out Sunday. The triple crown though, if you want to know a little bit about that, it's it's a pretty hardcore, 30 miles and you've got 5,000 feet of vertical that you've got to climb. You start at Paradise Park, head on out to the Christmas Valley climb over to Toads and down Armstrong or Corral, take your choice, and then back over to Paradise Park. So 30 miles right there, and some people are posting some crazy times on that. Uh, but Vital Mountain Bike Festival put on by Tamba and a bunch of other partners June 18th and 19th. And also that weekend, you've got the Rock Tahoe Half Marathon, June 18th on that Saturday. It's a great way to get into the running scene if you haven't yet, because it's all downhill for the most part, at least. <laughs> and it's a half marathon, 13.1 miles from the top of Spooner Summit down to Hard Rock, where they've also got a pool party afterwards and a bunch of drink specials and vendors out there to cap it off. But uh, they did change hands. It, uh, they've got a new company running this one. So we'll see what kind of changes they make to the entire process. But it is um, also supported as well with pit stops along the way. And they block off basically the entire right lane of Highway 50 as you go down from the top of Spooner to Hard Rock, June 18th for that one. And then a few just save the dates here. I'll let you guys do some digging online to get more info. But July 14th through August 18th is the Classical Tahoe Festival. That's at the Incline Pavilion, which does have a new uh, renovated pavilion thanks to some sponsors. So check that out online if you're into classical music. And then August 12th is the Concourse de Elegance at Obexers over on Homewood. Again, August 12th. And then August 27th is the Tahoe Brew Fest at Lake Tahoe Community College, which is a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club of South Lake Tahoe. So see what I did there? The, the last three take no exercise at all. You, you just sit back, relax, and enjoy for, for those events. So those that's what I've got for events to put on your calendar. And Rob, you did a ton of research and went down a rabbit hole in terms of music here in the region. So I'll, I, let, you, uh, I'll let you spit your knowledge. I did. You know, we, we spent a lot of time in the last podcast talking about some of our favorite places to hear live music around the basin. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question, Mike, how far are you willing to travel for a concert for a band that you really want to see? How, how far are you willing to travel? Oh, man. I mean, I guess I would, uh, San Francisco. So what, it could be anywhere from three to five hour drive. I guess. Okay. Probably. Okay. I mean, that's, I, I would say that's probably about right for, for most people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into necessarily the local band, the local bands that play, you know, all over in some of those places that we even talked about last week. I wanted to really get or talk about the acts that people will make destinations out of. So when you think about, um, you know, travel patterns, I just went with the region. So our Sierra Nevada region here. So everywhere from Reno to, to South shore and in between, that's where I'm looking at. So I, I did, like you said, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, um, but I want to, I'm just going to kind of reel these off because I know everybody has different tastes in music. Um, some people like, you know, specific genres and things like that. So I wanted to give, mentions about these bands and and um and performers out to everybody so if you're looking at one of these and they they strike a chord with you make sure you're taking down these notes i'll i'll, I'll add a little bit of color in, in some of these cases but i have a lot to go through so i might get a, i might get a little winded here mike but but i'm gonna start to, i'm gonna start on south shore um where you have uh coming up actually a stick figure and it, it says the expendables um but I, I also looked, um, I couldn't tell if it was Collie Buds, Ayaterra, or the Elevators, 
because there was listings of both. I think on the website for for Bally's, it had stick figure and the expendables, but it was listed a while back as as the others. So that's May 24th. Um, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, stick figure is definitely uh, there. I just can't tell if uh, which one is uh, is actually going to open or or which ones are going to open. But you can you can pregame for the Reggae Fest there. Um, and then uh, coming up on May 28th, Mr. Bad to the Bowman's himself, George Thurgood and the Destroyers. That is also at Bally's. You have Matt Kearney on May 15th at Harris South Shore Room. Uh, our frequenter that we talked about before, Michael Franti and Spearhead, that is at Harris South Shore Room. That's on May 20th. And then Philip Phillips, August 5th. That's at Hard Rock. And I can't remember, Mike, did he win American Idol? I don't, I don't remember, but I know he was there. I'm not an idol watcher, so okay. yeah, yes, okay. the wrong person. You've got <laughs> one person to ask. I understand. Oh. <laughs> well, and then, and then the uh, the outdoor summer concert series at Harvey's probably the biggest uh, summer event or concert event of the year. And Mike, I want to I'm going to read off these. I want to know who you're looking forward to the most. You have Nora Jones on June 26th, the Chainsmokers on July July 8th. That is going to be during Celebrity Golf. You have Kenny Chesney, two nights, July 12th and 13th, Miranda Lambert, July 28th, Dirks Bentley on July 30th, Train on August 5th, Robert Plant and Allison Krauss on August 20th, Eric Church, two nights, August 27th and 28th, Dave Matthews Band, August 30th, Keith Urban, two nights, September 1st and 2nd, Jack Johnson, two nights, September 4th and the 5th, Ziggy Marley's going to open up for him, Alabama on September 9th, Jackson Brown on September 10th, and then Luke Combs rounding it out for two nights, September 22nd, 23rd. Anyone that you're looking forward to there? Yeah, I love me some Dave Matthews band. Uh, they really jam out. The saxophone always gets me live, but um, always a good surprise. Kenny Chesney and Keith Urban. It's more of a rock concert when you're actually there. I mean, they're they're true country, but they slay it and, and they put on a great performance. So those would probably be my top three. So does Jack Johnson crushes every time I've seen him live. I've seen him live, I believe, four times now. Every time he's fantastic. So good. Um, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time uh, on base camp or, or reggae festival. You already mentioned those dates because we're going to talk about those in our in our interview portion with Paul Reeder. Uh, those are both at Hard Walk, Hard Hard Walk, Hard Rock, um, and uh, also uh, I think we mentioned too the Truckee Reggae Fest. Or we mentioned that last last time, June 24th. Uh, that's Kaimani Marley uh, co-headlining with Third World there. But if I if I move over the hill down into Minden, Carson Valley Inn, they've actually started to uh, carve out a little a little space for themselves in in the country world um they have marshall tucker tucker band on june 3rd aaron lewis on june 18th clint black on july 8th martina mcbride august 6th and travis tritt on september 2nd you ever been down uh, been down there to check yeah, out a concert I, Mike? i've seen one show there it's it's tight it's small it's intimate great place to check out check it out and i'm uh i'm really taken back by those names like you said i know they're, they're bringing in the the talent They've been they've been pretty steady with with names like that for the for the past few years, um, you know, say for for 2020. But um, but uh, they've been, like I said, carving out a name for themselves down there with. Uh, and it's been pretty much, I believe, mostly just country acts there. But uh, but good on them. So I'm going to move north up into Reno. And here's where uh, most of uh, the digging that I went into. So um, Trace Adkins, May 15th at Silver Legacy. Smokey Robinson, May 27th at the Atlantis. 311 May 20th at Silver Legacy and if you've never seen 311 live um, 
granted it's been a spell since i see him but uh but they're a great show I, I did once see them on halloween and they all came out dressed up in costumes it was fantastic but uh but they bring a lot of energy to their show um adelita's way may 26th that's at virginia street brew house they're a little more a little more on the heavier rock side of things uh same with limp biscuit which i didn't know that they were still touring uh, may 29th at the reno events center matchbox 20 and the wallflowers so a co-headliner there june 3rd that's going to be at the nugget jack white at june 3rd so same night reno events center um steven and skip marley that's june 7th that's out at bartley ranch and mike do you have a favorite marley other than bob uh, i i like ziggy because he throws in some sort of electric uh um notes to his performances and he once complimented my mustache so oh, yeah he, there's a personal touch to that one he said nice mustache man <laughs> well he's opening for jack johnson we got a lot of marley's around here kimani um up at the north shore uh ziggy at the south shore steven and skip down in Reno. i mean we're just we're getting inundated with the marley clan uh this summer uh then you have violent femmes june 8th that's at virginia street brew house uh they were a staple in my younger years in that rotation uh culture club june 9th at the reno ballroom weird al yankovic june 12th at the reno ballroom and mike did you know that there's an upcoming movie um about his life and do you know who plays Weird Al Yankovic. Oh man, I'd be totally. Harry no. Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, is going to be what? in lead role. Yeah, you, that's what I said. What? <laughs> All right, moving on. Toby Keith, July 16th at the Nugget, Government Mule, June 17th at Grand Sierra, Rise Against, one of my all time favorite punk bands. They are also at uh, Grand Sierra on July 20th. Uh, the Black Crows, July 22nd at Grand Sierra, Rise in Appalachia, July 24th. That's going to be at Art Town, the uh, uh, the event um, down there in uh, downtown Reno. Uh, and this one, Mike, I know it's uh, it's up your alley. Polish Ambassador, July 30th at the Bartley Ranch at the Hawkins Amphitheater. Have you ever been out there to watch a show? No, I, I've this heard great awesome. things, though. But yeah, this um, is fantastic. Yeah, that's a big name for out there. And uh, Polish Ambassador, that was more of a that was my younger days. <laughs> <laughs> well, still, I mean, you can still make it. <laughs> uh, Josh Turner, August 12th at Silver Legacy. My wife really digs his, his deep old voice. Uh, John Fogarty, uh, lead singer or, or past lead singer of uh, CCR, clear, Clearance uh, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, August 20th. He's at the Nugget. Uh, Buck Cherry, August 26th at the Virginia Street Brew House. And if you are really wanting to watch or, and listen to some musicians jam, this is your ticket. Los Lobos and Tedeschi Trucks Band, August 28th. That's at Grand Sierra. Uh, you have Incubus and the Aqua Dolls, Aqua, or August, Aqua 30th? August 30th at the Grand Sierra. Stained at Silver Legacy, September 16th. Leonard, Leonard Skinner, which I didn't know that they were still making music, uh, September 23rd at the Nugget. And for all you 80s music lovers, you have a, a, a triple bill, Skid Row, Warrant, and Quiet Riot. That's at the Silver Legacy on September 23rd. Foreigner, September 24th at Grand Sierra. Joe Satriani, September 25th at the Grand Sierra. And Pitbull, September 30th at the Nugget. And just one true story about Pitbull, Mike. Uh, he played at Harvey's uh, a few years ago. This was during uh, Celebrity Golf. Wife and I had tickets, and I was like, you know, he is definitely not my cup of tea. I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll listen to a few songs, and then we're probably going to bounce. We stay for it all. I mean, he's entertaining as hell. Um, we actually, I mean, it was uh, because it was during Celebrity Golf. It, we were essentially right next to Steph Curry and his entourage pretty much the entire time. But man, that guy, that guy puts on a show. I don't know if you've seen him, but but he's fun to watch. Really, yeah, is. one of my least favorite performers. But I've heard that he will uh, he will transform some people like he did to you. So <laughs> hey, right on. I, I I love that. 
Well, what one more Kid Rock October seventh? That's probably leading more into fall. But uh, and I didn't I didn't actually mention any of the com- uh, comedians that were on tap also. But uh, some names to mention: Kevin Hart, Jerry Seinfeld, Stephen Wright, George Lopez, Tim Allen, Jay Leno, and um, I guess we could throw Howie Nave in there too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, Rob, you really did. I- I took a what a, a whole day to go through that, and if you <laughs> buy tickets, all those your ticket master fees are probably up in the six figures uh, for that many shows, man. That's a that's an awesome roundup of all the music here for the summer. Coming up on the P portion, our interview is Paul Reader. You're gonna want to stay tuned for this one. We'll be back in just a few moments. Welcome back, everyone, to the segment that you've been waiting for, our interview portion of Tahoe Tap. And it's our pleasure to introduce Paul Reeder, a Tahoe resident since the age of 22, just 10 years ago or so, and has grown to become an entertainment mogul within the region. He is the president of PR Entertainment, one of Nevada's largest independent concert promoters and theatrical producers. Paul is also president and CEO of Base Camp Festival, which we'll be talking about in a little bit, producing EDM events throughout the year in Reno, Tahoe, and the surrounding region, which includes the annual Base Camp Festival. Also president and CEO of the record label Base Camp Music, and where you'll probably find him the most, co-owner of The Loft in the Heavenly Village. And that's got some great magic entertainment, family entertainment, ultra lounge, and some amazing food so paul I'll open up to you if there's anything to add or correct me on there in that bio boy you nailed it <clears throat> i can't think of anything else that uh, you missed except i mean we- that's what we could share from your background check yeah. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> no you, you nailed it thank you for that great introduction we we also added uh, a theater in monterey recently too so we're coming up on our year anniversary for our monterey magic and comedy theater there in monterey which is fun I did get to check that out. You had the Salvador Dali exhibit when we were on the evacuation from the Caldor fire. Oh, very uh, cool. And congratulations on that venue. Thank you. Yeah. That's All right, great. Rob, let's get right into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul, just given, you know, your history, you've, you've been in the region for a long time and you've had a lot of different roles. You've worked, you know, with a lot of different folks. We, we want to dive into the history a little bit. And I'm just curious to know, you know, through your eyes, how you've seen the entertainment scene evolve um, over the years in Tahoe? That's a really good question. I um, started here right out of college. Like Mike said, uh, I was 22 years old, started working for Caesars Entertainment um, and, and got promoted, you know, internally and ended my career as the vice president of entertainment for Caesars Corporate. When I first started working, uh, in, in the region, it was pretty much filled with kind of the stale, staunch casino acts. And they let this young punk kid in here to kind of hip up the market a bit. So we, uh, you know, we, we got, we, we still did this, the staunch kind of stale casino acts, but we also got to pepper in some really fun shows. And, you know, I think just making the mix more eclectic. We've seen that change over the years and acts that you would never expect to see in a casino started playing casinos. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, just just the, the range of, of genres that have come in, including, you know, the introduction to electronic dance music, 
Um, I brought in Paul Oakenfold for his very first casino show. And now DJs, you know, are getting paid huge dollars to play casino shows in Vegas and, and the like. So um, I, I would say it's definitely become more of an eclectic scene than it was when I first started here. Over those years, I mean, you mentioned Paul Oakenfold, just sort of a big name around the world globally, uh, but name your other top three celeb bookings over the years. I mean, if you go into the loft, you've got the walls just lined with uh, photos from meet and greets with all the people you booked, you know, Robin Williams, uh, you just name off your top three that you're proud of. Well, you nailed it. Robin Williams was a thrill. I worked, got to work with him twice uh, for his stand-up, and it was just an absolute thrill to, to meet him, to spend time with him. Uh, we actually celebrated a birthday with him and threw him a party backstage at Caesars, which was great. Wow. Uh, I would have to say uh, Sting was another one. When I was working as the VP of Entertainment for Caesars, we did the summer concert series down at the Reno Hilton. So I got a chance to, to work with James Taylor and Stevie Nicks. Um, and, and, you know, I would say, yeah, uh, Robin Williams, Steve, I can't nail it down to three. Come on. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you just got to take a trip down memory lane and walk through the loft, everyone, and, and yeah. see the history there. Uh, yeah, yeah my, I mean, my, I love it. My, my only regret was not getting my picture with Sting. Uh, he's the only one missing, but uh, I, I would say of that wall, probably my favorite is the legends like Sammy Davis Jr., B.B. King, Ray Charles, but Stevie Nicks is just one that I just absolutely loved working with her and uh, got to work with her a couple of times. So that was fun. That's great. You know, in, in all of those interactions, is do you think that there is a perception that celebrities or music acts have towards Tahoe and you know, do those perceptions, do they make it easier or harder to book? And probably more now so than, than back then. Yeah, um, you know, we think about this all the time. <clears throat> in fact, I was just in a meeting this morning talking about um, how easy it is to get artists to play Tahoe because it's such a sexy market. Um, it's such a destination. Um, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, some other gaming markets or even non-gaming markets, Tahoe is definitely at the top of the list. And it's, just really easy to get folks to come up here and perform. Um, but we couple that, you know, within the offers, we couple it with, you know, boat trips or, you know, lakefront houses for the families to come and spend the weekend, not just for a gig. I mean, we used to rent Diana Ross a house for a week uh, in the Tahoe Keys with her family and give her a, a boat to use and jet skis to use. And so she made it an annual trip with her family. And so did the other artists. I mean, we had Winona Judd come up, rented her a house, Smokey Robinson, uh, Julio Iglesias, you know, the, the, the legends would stay in these lakefront houses that we'd rent for them with chefs. And we made it a real special time for them. So yeah, it was really easy to, to get celebrities to come to Tahoe any time of year. Yeah, that's hard not to say no to, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can tell, Paul, it's all coming back to him now. The experiences and the and the names are, are really, he's feeling <laughs> it. It's coming back. Love it. <laughs> yeah, good uh, throughout all of your endeavors, I mean, I, I've done a lot of interviews, you know, at Celebrity Golf or, you know, over the years, TV station, and it surprises me who I get most nervous to chat with and mm -hmm. and it, you know i think some of them were you know i've done the governors i've done uh you know other famous folks but people that i watched over the years like sports figures steve young jerry rice i got most nervous for 
So talk about that, like how you got nervous and maybe who the most nervous you were uh, in meeting. Yeah, I would say when I first took over entertainment, uh, Four Caesars, when I was younger, I used to get little butterflies. But I think even as years went by, um, it was some of the people that came to shows that we presented that weren't performing, but we got advanced calls that they were coming to the show and I had to meet them and, and sit, sit with them and bring them backstage. I think Barbara Streisand comes to mind. And I was mm. like, Oh my God, that's Barbara Streisand. <laughs> uh, I got nervous meeting Whitney Houston. Um, uh, I got nervous the first time meeting Robin Williams because he's such a legend. I would say those probably are the top three. Um, but the more you get to know these folks and uh, meet their crew and and become more familiar with them as we did a lot of annual events um, with these artists that came up every year and every winter and every summer, um, they became like family. So it was, uh, it was nice to see them come through year after year and you stop getting nervous and you start enjoying the process a little more. You got to remind yourself that they still got to put their pants on one leg at a time as well and brush their teeth twice a day, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Normal folks. Yeah, exactly. But it's pretty surreal, you know, when you're staring and looking at Robin Williams going, oh my gosh, I've seen all your movies. I love your humor. I've been watching you since I was a kid. And there he is right in front of you, just you and him. And it's uh, pretty surreal. But yeah, those are the, the top three nervous ones. <laughs> If we, if we, you know, fast forward to, to present, um, you know, and having gone through the past couple of years where, you know, we had limited concert or canceled concerts and events, you know, this year you get to bring back, you know, bass camp, reggae. What are, what are the things that you're most excited about for both of those events? Having, having had to have a hiatus, but now you get to bring them back. What are you most excited about? Uh, you know, just seeing all the people smiling and having fun again, dancing under the, the skies of the beautiful Sierra Nevadas. I mean, it's just being outdoors in the summertime and seeing everybody just getting together, enjoying the music the, the you know, my staff and I are just absolutely so excited for our shows coming up at the hard rock and, and, you know, just seeing everybody getting together again, enjoying music. It's uh, it's been a tough few years here. Yeah. Stoked to have it back. And uh, we'll dig into more about those uh, two festivals in just a little bit, but I want to know some of the gritty details behind the scenes. One of the biggest <laughs> catastrophes during an event that you overcame or hell, maybe, maybe you didn't overcome it. Did, tell, <laughs> tell me something that maybe uh, the folks don't know out there. You know, the, I think the biggest catastrophe is during the reggae festival. I think it was our third or fourth year, maybe 2016. Um, we had lightning strikes around the area and I got warned by the fire marshal it was Eric game on at the time um, that we might, you know, have to evacuate that they were looking at their Doppler radar and watching the lightning strikes. And sure enough, one lightning strike hit Edgewood over there. And he says, I'm sorry, Paul, you're going to have to stop the festival. Uh, Don Carlos was on stage. I had to go on stage and literally tell him that we had to evacuate and we had 8,000 people in the arena at the time. And I had to make the announcement that there was lightning strikes and that this, this, the county was making us evacuate the arena and everybody had to go inside. <laughs> it was great for the hard rock at the time. <laughs> 8,000 people flooding into the, uh, flooding into the casino. But uh, that was probably uh, 
the, the most crazy thing that's ever happened in my career. But, you know, the good news was, is that we told people that we would announce when it was safe to come back into the arena via our uh, Facebook. And so we all of a sudden got 8,000 new followers on our Facebook page <laughs> and uh, made the announcement there. Everybody came back in and we were able to finish the, finish the event without it, without a hitch. It didn't rain or anything after that. Um, and everybody came back in and enjoyed the rest of the show. So I was there. I remember it vividly. There you, uh, yeah. there you go. That was probably, I mean, we lost a generator one time uh, that I thought was going to be, pretty tragic, but it started right back up again. I don't know what it was. It was just a glitch, but it reminded me that we have to always have a spare generator just in case one goes out. So you'll see two generators backstage this year at the base camp festival and at the regular <laughs> festival. <laughs> you want to, um, I, I got a fun thing for us planned, um, okay. a rapid fire, but do you want to, um, do you want to maybe give us um, and the folks listening just a, a plug for both events before we dive into this fun thing, just to make sure they have all the details? Sure. So we're doing back-to-back festivals this year. Uh, the first one is July 23rd, uh, Outdoors at the Hard Rock. It's our annual base camp festival, which is all electronic dance music producers uh, and DJs. Uh, we do have a couple live acts in there as well this year. Um, but this is our fifth year that we're doing base camp festival. We do shows year round, but this is the fifth year of the festival itself. Three stages. Uh, we're bringing in 30,000 square feet of real grass. Uh, I don't know if people have come before, but that grass is going to live both for Base Camp Festival and the Lake Tahoe Reggae Festival. But we have a main stage with Slander, which is a DJ duo that are extremely popular. They're selling out arenas across the country. Uh, Adventure Club, who actually was our direct support for the very first Base Camp that we did in 2013. Um, Flux Pavilion, who was a legend in the electronic dance music world. Um, a couple live, uh, Wolfgang Gartner is also playing the house music stage. So we have one stage dedicated to house music and one stage dedicated to more uh, bass music. Uh, Jack Beats is playing, another very popular DJ. Live performances by KJ Sauka, uh, who is a drummer. And then Elephant Heart with uh, Jason Evigan, who actually won a Grammy this year. He's a writer, producer, songwriter. He uh, works with Rufus Del Sol, Dua Lipa, Justin Bieber, but he won a Grammy this year for his work with uh, Rufus Del Sol. So we're excited to have them. His wife is a singer and they have a DJ, or excuse me, a, um, a live music group called Elephant Heart that will be on main stage this year. Super excited to have them on. But um, and then the 24th is the Lake Tahoe Reggae Festival which is one main stage, uh, huge production. We're bringing in massive video and massive sound and lights for both shows, but Slightly Stupid, Dirty Heads, Common Kings, Soja, they won the Grammy this year for Best Reggae Act, uh, Fortunate Youth, Tribal Seeds, uh, and the list goes on for the Lake Tahoe Reggae Festival will be the very next day on Sunday, July 24th. I think I have that all right now. <laughs> so, great. Yeah, yeah, your mind gets a little boggled when you got some big events, the dates all merged together in details. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, sort of another back-end question, what kind of operational differences do you see, whether it's a green room request or writers or anything between the two genres or, you know, festivals? Yeah. Or maybe okay. vendors that you book, you know, uh, or more ashtrays and water uh, <laughs> well, there's in the no back for yeah. <laughs> uh, reggae fest. <laughs> we have a, we have a no smoking policy. We'll see if everybody adheres to it. Um, but 
uh, you know, it's going to be actually fairly easy because it's the same setup for Basecamp as it's going to be for reggae. Um, we're removing two of the stages for uh, reggae, so we'll only have one main stage, so it gives us a little more capacity. So we'll have a 10,000 capacity uh, arena for reggae and 7,500 for Basecamp. Um, but it's going to be the same vendors uh, both days. There is, a, a, believe it or not, a good cross-pollination of, of, of electronic dance music fans to reggae. We're seeing a lot of people buying both uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so kind of a, a rave and uh, reggae experience uh, that weekend. <laughs> Rave it just pack two outfits and be ready for some fun. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, buying both tickets, websites are pretty simple. Uh, throw out the plug real quick there and we'll drop it in the description as well. Great. I appreciate that. Uh, Basecampfest.com for all of the Basecamp shows. That's B-A-S-S as in all about the base, not to be confused with bass. There is no fishing boats at the festival. Uh, so it's Basecampfest.com and then uh, Lake Tahoe Reggae Fest.com. You can also visit the Hard Rocks website for ticket links there as well. All right. Thank you for that. Now, Rob, for the fun stuff, we're putting Paul here on the spot. He does not know this is coming. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah we're, we're, we're um, popping this right on you, Paul. But, uh, you know, and one of the things that I looked at that I thought would be fun, you know, given the types of music that are at the festivals, you know, EDM and reggae, I was looking at artist names and it seems like they're almost interchangeable. Um, like they're just, they're very similar, it seemed to me. And, you know, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you an artist name and I want you to tell me if it is EDM related or if it's reggae related. Okay. And so, and full disclosure, I do not know all of these artists. I just, I, I did a little bit of research and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. You might know them. I don't know them all. I'm more of a reggae fan. I'm not necessarily EDM fan. I know you are though. So you might recognize some of these that I don't, but <laughs> I'm just going to read the name off and you say EDM or you say reggae. Gotcha. Ready to go? Yep. Okay. First off, 12th Planet. EDM. You're good. All right. You, Roy. Reggae. You're right. Oh, look at you. Two for two. Uh, cranium. Oh, Cranium is uh, EDM. That's reggae. Oh, shoot. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Afrojack. Oh, EDM. Okay. Skill and Bang. <laughs> reggae. Yep. <laughs> Arcasia. Re reggae. Nope. That's EDM. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. <laughs> Dubfire. Reggae. EDM. Oh, I got oh, you. No, you see, you, you got me with the dub. Okay. Yep. yep. Yellow yeah. Man. Yellow Man is EDM. Reggae. Wait, <laughs> oh, I was thinking Yellow Claw. Sorry. Yellow Man. Yes, of course. But there is a there is a Yellow Claw that is EDM and Yellow Man is reggae. You're right. Okay. Okay. Uh, last two. So Protégé. Is reggae. Yep. And then Kinetic Groove. EDM. Yep, you got it. So what was seven? Was that seven out of ten? I wasn't keeping track. <laughs> that was, it was too rapid for me, but I was pretty good one, though, Paul. So. You're pretty good. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, all right. That's a wrap here on the interview. We appreciate the time, Mr. Paul Reader, everyone. Hope Thank to see you, you out there for the Base Camp Festival and the Lake Tahoe Reggae Festival in July. We'll catch you in a couple weeks with an all-new episode of Tahoe Tap. Thanks, Paul. Thank you guys. Bye.